know, we've just sung those words. Do we believe them? That the battle belongs to the Lord. And that when we fight, that we have got an amazing, awesome, strong, all-loving, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God. That he fights the battle for us. That it does not belong to us. Whatever battle we're going through right now. Whatever trauma we're going through right now. And I don't want to play that down. But whatever it is in your life, whatever circumstances have hit your life right now, whatever is raging, whatever is against you, you have an almighty God that he says, I am for you. He is never against you. He is fighting the battle for us. But what we have just sung, we just sung. And we said when we're fighting on our knees, when we're praying to God on our knees, I just wonder how often we have done that lately. Maybe the pandemic has changed the way we pray. But why not, even here, even now, why not get on our knees and say, Lord, I am on my knees because, Lord, I need you to fight the battle for me. And when we surrender, when we have a posture of surrender to our almighty God, he answers our prayer. He hears our prayer. And as a church, we are going to go through a new season where we are going to reignite our passion for prayer, where we are going to reignite our passion for the Lord, where we are going to reignite our trust for our almighty God. And it is going to be much easier for us to sink to our knees, no matter how undignified and how stupid it looks. But we are doing a sign of surrender that whatever we go through, the battle belongs to the Lord. Give him praise today. Praise his name. We have an almighty, powerful God. Please take your seats. Thank you to our worship team. I so wish I could sing. You would not have liked me to join in and sing that song then. But I wanted to demonstrate to us that the words that we sing in our worship time are powerful words. And I wonder sometimes, does God nudge us and say, do you mean what you've just sung? Do you mean that you want to pray to me? That you want to sink to your knees and trust me with the battle of your life? You know, the Israelites went through many battles. And there was a time in the Israelite history, and it's recorded in Chronicles and throughout the Old Testament, where they were overcome by the enemy. And the enemy at that time was called the Babylonians. And the enemy came and they took all the people, all the best people of Israel, and they took them to Babylon. And they started to put them to work in that country. And then many years later, God did not forget them. He did not give up on them. And he brought them back to the land of Israel. And once he brought them back to the land of Israel, he was giving them a second chance to praise him, to worship him, to put him first. And if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to the book of Chronicles? 1 Chronicles, there's two of them. And basically what Chronicles is, it's a historical account of all that God has done. It's also a, a historical account of all that God's people have done and what they didn't do right. Now God rescued them time and time again. So if you've got one Chronicles, we're going to start at chapter 4. And I just want to show you what God is saying. The descendants of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. 
Forgive me if I'm not going to say these names correctly. Shobal's son, Reah, was the father of Jahath. Jahath was the father of Ahumai and Lahad. These were the families of the Zorathites. The descendants of Etam were Jezreel, Ishma, Idbash, their sister Hazepoli, Penuel, the father of Gedor, Ezer, the father of Husha. These were the descendants of Hur, the firstborn of Epeprath. See, I'm going wrong on the names now. The ancestors of Bethlehem. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, interesting, named Hela and Nara. Nara gave birth to Ahuzam, Hepha, Temini, and Heshastarai. Hela gave birth to Zereth, Iska, Ethan, and Koz, who became the ancestor of Anub, Zobaha, and all the families of Arul, son of Haram. Just a moment. For nine chapters, the book of 1 Chronicles goes through these lists of genealogies, these lists of names. They are real people that lived on this earth. And God is just reminding the Israelites and encouraging the Israelites of all the faithfulness that he has been to all these people throughout their ancestry. And then, as you get, if you're getting bored of reading that, and don't worry if you are, you're not unholy. But then suddenly, suddenly, what breaks through in these lists of names, and there are 2,000 words first, and there are about 100, 500 names, and all of a sudden, when we finally get to chapter 4, and in verse 9, there's a breakthrough, there's a stop, there's a pause, and it goes like this, and it gets exciting. There was a man named Jabez, who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted his request. Why don't you highlight those words? And God granted his request. Then we go back. Caleb, the brother of Shula, was the father of Meher. Meher was the father of Eshton. Eshton was the father of Bethah. And it goes on and on and on for nine chapters. So, what is this all about? What I'm trying to show you that in the mundaneness of the history and the genealogies and all that stuff has its place, and it is important, but what God is trying to show us is, stop, wait a minute, I want you to draw up a chair, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to take note of this particular name of Jabez. Now, Jabez wasn't famous, he wasn't known at this point, but there is something that God is trying to show and shine a light on and, and grab our attention to. You see, at this moment in time, something breaks through the mundane boringness, and it's a prayer. It's a prayer that is so powerful and yet so short so small, so unassuming that, you know, if you'd have got through Chronicles, I don't blame you if you'd have given up and we would have missed this amazing prayer. So today, let's unpack this prayer. The first thing that this man Jabez says is, bless me. 
Oh, that you would bless me. It's like Jabez is interrupting the conversation, interrupting the history lesson, and he's so desperate for God to do something in his life. Lord, bless me. It's like if someone would stand up right now in this auditorium and interrupt me and say, Lord, bless me. Yeah, go ahead, do that. (laughs) There is a boldness about this man. Maybe he is so desperate. Maybe he, he just has got such a dependency on God. Maybe he's got such an expectation. Maybe just like a child, he doesn't mind interrupting his father for a moment because he needs something right now. And he just, he knows that no one else will do. He knows that God Almighty is the source of all he needs. He knows that God is the answer. He knows that everything that he needs is only going to come through. Almighty God, I wonder in our lives what other sources we lean to or work towards to get everything we need when actually for all our greatest needs there is only one source. His name is Jesus. He is the only one that we need to desperately but boldly go to and and shout, Lord, bless me. You see, this man Jabez, I think he knows something. He knows God. He knows the history. And he's been listening to the history, so to speak, in this book. And he just can't wait anymore. He knows that God is able. He knows that God is trustworthy. He knows that God is good. And he knows the Bible. And throughout the Bible, it tells us that God is a God that blesses us. God is a God that protects us. God is a God who smiles upon us. God is a God who has grace towards us. God is a God who has favor towards us. And God is a God who brings peace in our lives. And this man, Jabez, he got an idea of this. And I think that's why he cried out to God that day and said, bless me. In fact, what he was saying was, make my life better. Is there anyone in this house right now that would like to say that to God. Make my life better. Bless me. As Pastor Jason said, when God blesses us, we are then a vessel where we can bless others. But first of all, we need to seek that blessing for ourselves. It's not greedy. It's not unholy. It's not selfish. You know, when you go flying, remember those days when we used to fly away to warmer climes? You get on the plane and you put in your seatbelt on and over the tannoy system, if that's what you call them, it says, please put your own seatbelt on first before you attempt to help others. And this is the same principle. Before we attempt to help others from our empty, burnt-out place, maybe we are the ones that need to go to God first and say, bless me. I need you, Lord. I need all that you have for me. And when we are filled with the blessing of God, then it is more able to flow through us so that we bless others. Who is Jabez? Perhaps he was a special man. Perhaps he was a a high priest or a prophet. Well, he was none of those things. He wasn't famous. He wasn't even, he wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't even a warrior like King David. He wasn't even a king. He was a no one. 
He was unknown. He was unaccomplished at this point. He was unassuming. And up to this point, even if you read the genealogies, it doesn't even say who his father was clearly or, his, or only something bad about his mother that gave him a bad name. But there is nothing else in reference to him until later on there's a town, an obscure town called Jabez. So here is a no one, a no one that dared to have the audacity and the tenacity to pray an extraordinary prayer that was quite cheeky to Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. He wasn't known, but he was known by God. He wasn't seen, but he was seen by God. He probably wasn't heard and had no voice, but he was heard and he had a voice before God. You know, I've got beautiful grandchildren, and it's just been Christmas time, hasn't it? Well, my grandchildren, they've got this just expectation that I'm going to bless them, and I am going to bless them, and I'm going to do what I can and spoil them, and, and they can come to me boldly, and they can ask whatever they wish, and I will do whatever I can, if it's good for them, to give them their wishes. I just want to bless them so much, and you've got a heavenly Father that wants to bless you so much. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and blessing in our time of need. Here is a man called Jabez that dared to believe that God would bless him. Just think on that for a moment. Where are you right now in that scenario? Are you a person that would dare to believe that Almighty God wants to bless you, that will bless you? And are you in that place where you're able to boldly come? I don't know what it is apart from this boldness, but whatever it is, it stopped the flow of this text in Chronicles it was so important that God thought there's a gem, there's a prayer that I need my people to wake up and see. So everything, hold, hold on the text. Hold on the genealogies for one moment. Let's just shine a light on this prayer. Let's just get the attention. Let's just look at this man, Jabez, because it got the attention. It got the ear of Almighty God. And then Jabez, this unknown, unschooled maybe, this unassuming person, suddenly gets singled out of this mass of names. And then for a moment, it's almost like God is holding before us this man's prayer because he wants us to glean something from it. He wants us to copy something from it. He wants us to learn something from it. And then the moment goes, and everything goes back to normal. There are those glimpses in our lives where God breaks through, and there is a ream of words that God wants to pierce our heart with. And I believe that in this season of this church, here in Northampton, Elim, that we are going to go through a season where God wants us to highlight the power and the purpose of personal prayer to him. Jabez was then called more honorable than his brothers. It's almost like God lifted him up in honor and he shows us this man and he bestows upon him 
honour. I wonder if we can be people that pray prayers like Jabez. The next thing he says is enlarge my territory. In other words, he, he says, bless me. And then he says, grow me. He's, at first I'm thinking, now you, you've asked for blessing and now you're asking for territory. Surely this is a bit selfish, this is a bit worldly. Well, is he talking about land? Is he talking about real estate? I don't know, but there's nothing wrong in praying for God to bless you in those realms if you need that, because God wants to bless us so that we can bless others and so that we can be a blessing in his kingdom and that the kingdom of God can go further. But I just want to sit that there for a moment because I want to focus on something else. Throughout his prayer, Jabez says, bless me, grow me. Give me. And he talks about I, me, my, I. And it sounds like if you step back, this is a really selfish prayer. But then I started to think, actually, no. This prayer is something personal going on. It's about Jabez. He's asking for God to bless him. He's asking God to grow him, to enlarge him out of his, uh, his, his, his territory that he's within because it's something personal going on in his life. You see, in Israel at this time, the land, the territories were assigned and there were boundaries. Remember Moses and then Joshua? God had given them the lines. He'd given them the boundaries and these were immovable. They couldn't be changed because God had declared it. And what, what this man here is saying, he's saying, grow me past the boundaries. Maybe he was saying, Lord, grow me out the boundaries of, the, of my life, the things that confine me, the things that hem me in, the things that restrict me, the things that hold me down. Lord, let me break out of the boundaries that are on my life and stopping me from reaching the limits that you have for me. And then I realized the thing that was holding him captive, the thing that was hemming him in, the thing that was restricting his growth, the thing that he was limping around through life and, and under, and he was carrying something painful over his life because his name was called pain. His name was called sorrow. His name was bestowed on him by his mother who was supposed to love him. And she called him pain. She called him, you are my sorrow. She called him, you are my grief. And can you imagine Jabez? Jabez, when you translate it, means those words. And can you imagine young Jabez as a five-year-old out playing with his friends? And then his mom shouts out, hey, you pain. Hey, you loser. Hey, you grief to me. Your tea's ready. And it starts at kindergarten, doesn't it? It starts when we start to communicate with others, even as young as little toddlers, that others around us start to judge us. They start to label us. They start to call us names or restrict 
restrict us or confine us. And maybe it's the car that we drive or the car that we don't drive. Maybe it's the house we live in or the estate that we we live in. Maybe it's the money we have or the money we don't have. Maybe maybe it's the clothes that we wear. Maybe it's the accents. You know, some of us are from up north and it's a bit difficult to understand us. Maybe it's our abilities or our lack of abilities. Or maybe it's our age. Maybe what is it for you? But have people said stuff over your life and it is unfortunate that it is mostly and most often those that are closest to us, those that love us most, most that say the most detrimental things over our lives. You can't. You won't. You'll never amount to anything. You're just mediocre. Accept it. You're just a bit slow. You're just a bit dumb. You're just useless. And I wonder how many words hang over us and we don't even realize it. And we've gone through life confined and restricted and hemmed in and unable to grow in the things of God because other people have put those confines there. Not God. He didn't put them there. Whatever labels people put on your life, God's label over you, God's description over you is an amazing destiny. His declaration over your life that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are more than a conqueror. And just get into your Bible and read the words that God declares over you. Just think for a moment. You are created by Almighty God. Are you going to rubbish what he creates? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Who's ever said that? But is it real? (laughs) Never hurt me, really? No matter how strong you are, no no matter how hard you are or balanced you are, unfortunately, words over our life aren't like water off a duck's back. They creep their way into our heart. They creep their way into our mindset. And they they restrict us as we go through life. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm no good. I'm useless. I can't achieve that. I can't do that. And I'm just wondering today whether God wants to smash that out of your life. And so this man, Jabez, He limped through life with the the pain of knowing his mother had called him pain and that everything about him was pain. You see, when someone gave you a name in those Bible times, it defined your future. It, It declared your character. It would say what you would do and it would put the boundaries upon your life. You see, Solomon, his name means peace and he was the first king who reigned in peace. Abigail means father's joy and she certainly was. Nathan, who brought the uh, offering to us, his name means gift of God. Jason means healer. And I wonder what your name means, but maybe not look into it too much. But what I'm trying to say is that in those times, a name was very, very important. So Jabez, the pain, the sorrow, the grief, cries out to God because he wants to be blessed and not cursed. He wants God to make his name null and void. He wants God to turn it around and change it for good. I wonder 
what name, what identity, what low expectation do you need to break free from today? And for Jabez, all it took was a desperate prayer to God. Because we're very good at becoming what others call us. We're very good at becoming what others expect of us. But God, God, he's got a higher place for you. He's got a higher agenda for you. God has got a higher name to declare over your life. He's got a higher expectation for you because God Almighty has higher purposes. He has higher plans and he has higher possibilities for each and every one of his children. And that's why we've got to go deaf sometimes to the things that other people say. And we've got to get in that place and on our knees and in that prayer closet and understand once again what it is that God is declaring over our lives for us personally. Jabez wasn't settling for any old pain and neither should you. Jabez wasn't settling for what others have said over his life and neither should you and neither should I. And today we are going to shout out to God and we're going to declare that we will become all that he has called us to become. Because Jabez did the right thing. He cried out to the God of Israel. They put the God of Israel just so there's, that, no, there's complete clarification that, that his God was almighty God. There can be many gods in our life where we try and get self-help from, where we can try and get our lives put back together. But the one true source I say again is Jesus Christ. Jabez was saying... Grow me bigger than my name. Smash the boundaries of my life and let me live in your name. You see, only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only name in all the world that can save us, that can help us, that can bless us. Because in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. So, Jabez is an unassuming person, unknown. He's a no one, yet he has the audacity to boldly come before God and say, bless me. Then he says, grow me, break the boundaries in my life. And then he comes and he says, hold me. What he actually says is, let your hand be with me. He is saying, hold me. I can't live this life. I can't walk this way if I am doing it on my own strength, on my own intellect, on my own understanding. Lord God, hold my hand. Lead the way. Guide me. Protect me. Help me. In the Old Testament, the hand of God represented a presence and power of Almighty God. It represented represented strength. It represented blessing, authority, and wisdom. Wow, I could do with some of that holding me through my life, couldn't you? Moses said, if your presence isn't with me, I ain't going. If your presence isn't with me, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I wonder, are we doing and where we're going? Are we holding on to the hand of God? Because if we're not holding on to God and the places we're going and the things we're doing, then we are putting ourselves up for trouble and we will fail. I ain't going there, Lord. Not unless your hand is leading me. I'm not doing that unless your hand is leading me. And in the New Testament, the hand of God is represented in the tangible 
presence and power of the Holy Spirit that enables us, that gives us strength, that leads us, that guides us, that anoints us to do the stuff that we can't do. The Holy Spirit that empowers us. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm, I'm not going to leave you all on your own. I'm sending you a comforter to be with you forever. And this comforter will be your helper. He will be your guide. And he will take hold of your hand. Lord, I need your hand. Take hold of my hand. You know, yesterday I was blessed that my little granddaughter came to see me. Her name is Noah. She's a girl, and her name is Noah, because in Numbers 27, there was a girl, a prophetess called Noah, and she challenged the time of her day. She challenged the men of her day. She challenged the leaders of her day that she should inherit her, her father's stuff, and she won, and her name was Noah, and she is a woman of this century, a woman of this time that we are living in. Anyway, baby Noah, she was born during the pandemic, and she was born at 26 weeks, and she probably fitted in the hand of her father. She was so tiny, so fragile, and for the next 12 months, she went through lots of difficulties fighting to live. And now she's 18 months old, and she came to see us uh, yesterday, and she's so petite, and she's so gorgeous, and she's learned to walk. And as they were leaving to go home, she's, going, she's putting her wellies on, she's got her wellies on, and she's going to walk to the car. And as she's stands there, she lifts up her hand to Grand-Gran, and Grand-Gran takes her hand and walks with her to the car. You see, Noah can walk. She's learned to walk, but she's still a bit fragile with it. But also, she knows that if she's got a hand leading her when she's walking, she feels safe. She knows that if she falls over, she's not going to hit the floor because Grand-Gran's got her hand. And she also knows that it's better to walk with someone else. She doesn't want to walk alone. She wants to walk in the safety and the communion, knowing that grand-grand or someone else is by her side. And that gives her confidence. That gives her reassurance. And it helps her keep onto the right track so she doesn't wander off. And that's how it is with God. We are like little children. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And when we stumble, we don't fall because the Lord takes hold of our hands. Remember Peter, when he stepped out on water and he started to sink. Lord, he cried out to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Took hold of his hand and walked on water with him. There is some stuff in our life that we cannot walk alone. We cannot do it in our own strength because we need the supernatural empowerment of God holding our hand through the, the troubled waters. Don't let me sink, Peter cried. And Jesus promises he will never let us sink when our hand is in his so Jabez, back to Jabez, here he is and he's desperate. He has this stuff hanging over his life and he wants to break free. But more than that, he wants blessing. He wants to grow past his boundaries. But the most important thing, he wants the hand of God to uphold him, to hold him, to lead him, to guide him, to protect him, to keep him safe from harm, to keep him safe from pain. And the amazing thing is, and God answered 
his prayer. Isaiah 41 says this, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says, Do not fear, I will help you. I wonder if the band would come back right now. And I wonder today, in this place, or if you're watching online, do you need God's help? At this moment, at this season in your life, do you need the hand of God to help you? There's one place to go. We've seen in this prayer that when we pray to God, that he listens that God's heart is turned towards us and he wants to answer our prayer. He wants to comfort us. He wants to surround us with his grace, with his compassion, with his strength, with his love. In this season, there are many of us that need that comfort, that companionship, that strength, that healing. You know, you might be a Christian in this church You might be a Christian watching online, or you might not be a Christian, or you might not have a knowledge or relationship with Almighty God to the place where you can boldly come and pray. And that's why we look at this prayer, and we can come boldly, and we can come knowing and trusting that God's ears will be listening, that his hand is ready and outstretched. I wonder today, are you ready to reach out to the hand of God, to be your help, to be your hope, to be your future, to be your destiny? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this prayer of Jabez, that Lord God, it can be a pattern for the way that we pray to you right now. That Lord, when we don't know what to say, Lord, we can use the words of this man whose his life was in pain, but you turned it around. That Lord, as Jabez prayed to you, he rose up and he broke away from the names and the labels and he broke out of the box that confined him and he moved from a place of pain to a place of potential, that he moved from a place of shame to a place of honour and that he moved from a place of misery to a place of joy, all because he put his hand in yours. So Lord God, I pray for everyone who is earnestly, honestly praying today that Lord God, that you would bless them In fact, why don't you repeat this after me? Lord, oh, that you would bless me. Lord, that you would enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Come boldly. Come boldly to the grace and the throne of God this morning. Cry out to him and ask boldly, bless me, whatever it is that you need, whatever area you need blessing in. Cry out to God right now and say, grow me, heal me, comfort me, help me break out and move away from the limits. It says in Isaiah 54, enlarge the place of your tent. 
Stretch the tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. God is a God who wants to expand you. He wants more for you than what you've got right now. And maybe you simply want to say, hold me, Lord, right now, hold me. Whatever pain, whatever trauma, whatever reason, maybe just lonely, maybe just you want that touch of God. Why don't you raise your hands right now? Lord, with hands raised to you, we are trusting in you. We are surrendering to you. In faith, Lord God, we ask you right now to fill us afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us know the touch of your hand as we go through this week, as we go through this life. Lord, that our hand is in yours. You know, if you can't say for sure that you really know God or that you are a Christian, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's just a prayer. But if you say it, and you can say it in your heart without audible words, but if you say it, as we've seen with Jabez, God listens and God answers. And God will listen to you and God will answer your prayer. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry I've messed up. And you call that sin. I'm sorry that I'm far away from you. But Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life right now. Help me, Lord God, to understand your word. Help me, Lord God, to have a relationship with you and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I might not understand it all right now, but I ask that you would hold me, that you would help me, and that as I put my hand out to you, that Lord God, I am your child, and you would reach and you would take hold of my hand. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, then please get in touch with us. If you're here in the building, get in touch with one of our team. You can speak to us online or speak to someone in your, in your world that knows Jesus. But be blessed and know that the power of a prayer can change your world, can change your life, and that the hand of God is so close to lead you and sustain you and help you in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Thank you.